Welcome to Return to Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Curry. If you haven't yet listened to our previous episode, please make sure you go back and give it a listen. It's called, Can I Get a Witness? Episode seven on Return to Truth. Okay, before we begin today's episode, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we call out to your name today. We ask, Father, that you will help us to see ourselves for who we really are. Please help us to see Jesus and reflect his character in our lives and repent and turn away from all of our sins so that we can better serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The title of today's episode is, Woe Is Me. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you found yourself completely engulfed in your own sin? A time where you looked around and saw only the unrighteousness in your life. A point where you knew exactly where you were and where you stood spiritually. Isaiah had a moment like this. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 6, verse 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw God, it was a mirror into himself. You see, that's what God does. He reveals himself and in turn reveals your true self in the process. In today's episode, I'd like to talk a bit about seeing God, finding repentance, and the process of purification. In order to see God, we have to first see our sin. Sin is revealed to us when we see the love of our Savior. Then we can truly see God for who He really is. Sight is the first part to this process because it's seeing the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's a turning away and a forsaking of your sins. The key here is to fix your eyes on Jesus so that all you see is him. John chapter 14, verse six reads, And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we see how we nailed him to the cross, how he willingly took the cup of punishment for our sins, it opens our eyes to a point of being able to see our own sins and the love of God. We need to see the love and glory of God in order to see our sin. We need to see God in his holiness, and we will see ourselves in our sinfulness. For that to happen, we need light. The Bible helps you to see this light. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We reflect what we look at. We are changed by what we behold. If we keep Jesus before us, we become like Jesus. If we fill our lives with him, our lives will reflect his character. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There is a conversion power in seeing God, and we see God through His Word. Reading your Bible will transform you and light your path. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
In the book of Matthew, we find the story of Jesus and Peter who both walked on water. Now, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? He began to sink. Peter said, Lord, save me. And what happened? Jesus reached down and grabbed a hold of him. Keep your eyes fixed on him who saves. That's really the bottom line to all of this. For us to be saved, we need to have a new birth. We need to look into the mirror, and that mirror is Christ Jesus. Can you hide anything from God? You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Luke 12, verse 2 says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Conversion begins when looking at God, and we then get a new picture of our own selves, and that leads us to repentance. We need to see ourselves through God's eyes. We need to humble ourselves and ask Him to cleanse and transform us. His contrast changes us. It allows us to see the stains in our lives. Take a look at this story in the Bible. King David took Uriah's wife Bathsheba for his own. He ended up getting her pregnant, and he tried to cover it up. He put Uriah, her husband, in the front lines of the battle in David's army, in hopes that he would get killed and to hide what he had done. Because of that, Uriah dies. Listen to what happens next. Nathan, a judge, comes in to talk to David. Here's what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There was a rich man who had exceedingly many flocks and herds. There was a poor man who had nothing, except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup, and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And then there was a traveler who came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he instead took from the poor man's lamb, and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. You know what David said to all of this? 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. David had to see his sinfulness before he could see that he was wrong. Light shows us what we look like. Light gets rid of the darkness. Look to the light, and that light is Jesus. Once we see God and our sin, the next step is repentance. Repentance represents a sorrow for sin and a willingness to turn away from it. It's an awareness and a regret. We need remorse. We should feel guilty. We should not feel good about doing bad. There should be a conviction for sin. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. One of the first things that Jesus spoke about when he started his ministry was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 3, verse 2. So what does repentance mean? It's the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. 
Each person who turns to God in genuine repentance and faith will be saved. Repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling regret for the past wrongs, which is accompanied by commitment to and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. You know, everything Jesus did, he did just for you. He died on the cross just for you, really, when you think about it. You know, think of it like this. It wasn't just for the entire world that he died. In reality, just your sin alone, regardless, the same would have happened. His death was for your sin. When you realize that he did all of that just for you, it leads you to repentance. When you repent, you are emptying yourself of yourself. And when you do this, he will lift you up. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Is it okay to sin just a little? No. Jesus wants all of you, not just a portion. He doesn't save us to sin. He saves us from our sin. Remember in the Bible, Jesus was talking to a woman that was accused of being an adulterer. What did Jesus say? John chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We seem to always talk about that first part, but we sometimes fail to mention that the second part where Jesus also says, Go and sin no more. John chapter 5, verse 14 says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He is telling us in these verses what we ought to do. It's simple. Sin no more. His words are so simple, and yet we miss the message. He wants us to turn from our sin, because let's be honest, sin hurts us too. It's for our benefit. Jesus is not against us. He is for us. Everything he has ever done has been for us. When is the best time to turn away from our sins? Today. If you say you believe in Jesus' teachings and the Bible, then you must repent. If you hear that there is a hurricane coming and you don't do anything about it, do you believe? Of course, you run off and start preparations. Repentance is also believing. Believing in what is sin, a curse and a deadly disease that nailed your Savior to the cross. Luke chapter 13 verse 3 says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Keep in mind this is for our own good. We have heard that before probably from our parents, but it's true. Jesus wants good things for us. He doesn't want us to perish. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is said repentance is an inner change of heart and mind and an outward change of life. This is a life and death issue. If we don't turn, sin will in fact destroy us. You know, it was once asked by a rabbi, when is the best time to repent? The rabbi said, the last day of your life. But I don't know when the last day of my life is, he said. The rabbi said, exactly. Repentance is not to be out on the back burner of our lives, but it is an ongoing walk. We should pray daily for a changing and transformation. Next up, let's talk about confession. 
For our sins to be forgiven, there's some things that need to be done. Confession is announcing that you know what sin is. It's calling it out in your life and placing it in front of you. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Confession is a crucial part of this for your heart to be healed. We need to admit it. An outward plea of repentance. Do not expect God to cover what we are unwilling to uncover. Put it all on the table. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's Romans 10, verse 10. So what is confession? It's a formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime. In doing so, you realize that you have done wrong because you are stating it to yourself. You are acknowledging it. Every time you confess, you are reminding yourself it's not acceptable and it sticks in your memory. When you confess, you are giving God the ability to work in your life. One of my favorite verses, as I quote it all the time, is this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. You know, when you confess your sins, you should go off by yourself, kneel and pray, and ask God to show you your sins. Search me and try me and know my heart. Write down your sins. Start with the Ten Commandments and go through them. Look at the Proverbs and the Beatitudes in the Bible. When you start to think about it, he will show you things that you have forgotten. Then confess those things to God. What if you don't remember? Well, that's okay. You're not going to remember everything. God knows the heart, and if you are open with him, he will forgive. The Lord wants you forgiven. He poured out his heart and his blood for you. It was St. Augustine that once said, The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. If needed, confess to others if you have wronged them as well. It will show your conversion and clear the air. In what a great way to be a witness. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we need to humble ourselves before God and come clean with Him. He wants the relationship restored. Okay, let's look at another piece to this. It's more than justification. It also involves sanctification, which is the process of God making us holy. Some people forget that part too. They think, I believe in Jesus, so that's it. A free-to-sin card is played and sin continues in their lives. However, sanctification is a purification process. The thing is, you come to Jesus just as you are, which is justification. And then as we move forward with him, we learn to do good and cease to do evil, which is sanctification. It's an ongoing process that is at work every day in our lives. God has called us to be holy and wants us to be holy. This isn't just said in passing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let's look at this for a second. When God says we should be something, we should stop and listen to what is being said. It's not just a theoretical holiness. God is calling us to a life of purity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall seek God. 
His very presence is so pure and holy that it will ultimately destroy sin. There is no sin in the presence of God. However, He wants to save us from that sin because we have been separated from Him. He wants to get back what was once lost. So how serious is holiness? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. No purity, no Lord. However, if you know purity, you will know the Lord. As we walk with Jesus, we become transformed in his image. But until we understand the concept of holiness of God, we won't see him. You know, because of sin, Moses couldn't even see the face of God. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, it says, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Truth be told, unless we allow him to purge us of our sins before his second coming, then we will be destroyed. We need to ask God for a pure heart, because the Bible says, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's Matthew 15, verse 19. We need to surround ourselves with Christ. When you live and breathe Christ, we can't help but to be like Him. Christianity involves self-denial, taking up your cross and living for Christ. We spoke about that before in our last episode. You can't keep feeding the flesh and live with the Spirit. The two don't mix. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's said that justification is the act by which God moves a willing person from the state of sin to the state of grace. It's a change in a person's condition, moving from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. In its most basic sense, to sanctify something is to set it apart for God's use and purpose. Therefore, God's people are set to be sanctified because they are set apart for God's special purposes in the world so they can be a witness and be holy. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 7 says, Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. God is calling us to holiness. Jesus doesn't just save us in our sins, he saves us from our sins. Not only from our past sins, but also from the power of sin. We don't have to be a slave to it, and it doesn't have to reign in your lives. The purpose of God for our lives is for us to be sanctified, to become more like the image of his son Jesus. This is not done through anything of our own, but by the Holy Spirit as we yield our lives to his control and are filled with him. I'll say it again. We're justified when we come to Jesus just like we are. Sanctification is the process where Jesus transforms us and we become new creatures. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. That's Psalms 51, verses 10 through 13. Yes, it's possible to live a Christian life. Just come to him and say, I don't know how I'm going to live this life, but I'm going to do it with your help. 
Give God permission to act in your life. Trust him and he will do all things for you that never have been done before. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So many self-proclaimed Christians talk a talk, but they don't walk a walk. When I see these things happening in front of my own eyes, I think of the verse, Do you not fear God? That's Luke 23, verse 40. How is it that we can blatantly sin and act as if it doesn't matter? Why is it that we tend to put our sin before the holiness of Christ? These two can't exist together. One will destroy the other. Do you have no shame or reference? They say it's not possible, but I believe it is possible to live a sinless life, but only with the help of Christ. He makes you perfect when you accept him into your life, so you are sealed for the kingdom of heaven. But are you perfect in your walk after? You know, my father used to say, we aren't sinless, we just sin less. So there is a desire to want to sin less and an ongoing purification process as he changes us into his image. It is an ongoing walk of love. Yes, there are even some free gifts that require attention. There are a number of Bible promises that can help you stand and get you through this. Here are three of them now. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This next part is from a book called What Shall I Do to Inherit Eternal Life? It's by Margaret Davis. It says this, He draws us through his love and kindness. We respond by learning to know him through study and prayer. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, producing guilt. We acknowledge our guiltiness without blaming others. He gives us repentance, producing true heart sorrow for our sin. We confess with contrite hearts, surrendering all rights to self and sin. He forgives and cleanses from all sin and creates a new heart and mind. We believe and experience cleansing and renewal. He dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, energizing us to do His will. We act out what He works in, which results in fruit to His glory. He alerts us when tempted and empowers us to resist the tempter. We submit to Him and resist through His power, gaining the victory. He will be our advocate and plead for us if we should fall. We repent and turn back to Him so He can restore us to Himself. Okay, so there is a way to holiness and purification, a way to stop the struggle of sin, and that is by seeing Jesus. You know, with all that being said, if what I have spoken here today has reached you in some way, if you are feeling something going on right now in your heart, a battle between good and evil, and you want the war to end, you want the victory, then I want you to pray with me now. Say these words with me. Lord Jesus, 
I want to experience your mercy and love today. I want to be holy and pure for you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit I am a sinner and in need of a Savior, and I'm inviting you to be mine right now. Come into my life, forgive my sin, cast out all the iniquity and unrighteousness, blot these things forever from your book, and remember them no more. Reign in me as my leader from now on and push out sin from my life. I now give you my life for yours. Now say this, I believe that my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. I believe it's something we need to do daily. You need to deny yourself and take up your cross and live for Christ. If so, then this prayer is for you too. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Do it today. You've got nothing to lose, but so much to gain. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. Please remember to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast channel and stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.